Now, uh, most of us, when we run, it's to lose a couple pounds here or there. But back in the day, running was another thing entirely. Now, let me give you just two examples. Uh, in prehistoric times, before humans developed the ability to fashion weapons to kill our dinner, we outran it. Literally, it was called persistence hunting, and we would track our prey hundreds of miles, driving it to heat exhaustion, right? Pretty amazing. And then uh, back in Greece, about 490 BC, a courier by the name of Philippides ran 149 miles round trip to announce the victory of his people. Now, it's said that he ran the entire distance without stopping, and then he burst into the assembly exclaiming, we won! He then collapsed and died. As it turns out, running too hard for too long can cost you your life which is what I actually want to talk to you about this morning. You know, sometimes we run two things, but I wanna talk about what it looks like when we run away. Let me show you. Don't our lives feel like that sometimes, running and running, going from one thing to the next, always on demand, always having to fulfill and do things, and it can be frantic and frenetic and exhausting. And we need to stop. We need to stop. And that's today's focus. We are looking to stop. In our second part of His Presence series, we're looking at being still and knowing. Be still and know what? Be still and know what? That our lives are really busy. Be still and know that life is tough. Be still and know that our problems are enormous. Be still and know that you're awful, or be still and know that you're great. No, 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 no. Be still and know that God is God. So we're going to pick up and revisit our key verse for the year. Be still and know that I am God, as it says in Psalm 46, verse 10. And uh, in order to look at that afresh again today, we're going to read it in context of this whole psalm. So I'm going to read that through, and then we're going to pull out some aspects of what it means to be still and know that God is God. So it's Psalm 46, and I'm reading from the NIV today. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Be still and know 
that I am God. That's what he declares in the psalm there. That's what he's declaring over us afresh today. To stop, be still. So we're going to look at what does it mean to be still and know that God is God. Secondly, why should we? Why should we do that? And finally, how can we possibly, how can we go about doing that? Let's get some practical ideas of how we can go about being still and know that God is God. So first and foremost, what does it mean to be still and know that God is God? It's our key verse. So I've been thinking about this a lot. I've been meditating it. I've been dwelling on it. I've been researching, looking up commentaries and reading study guides. And do you know what I've discovered? I've discovered this. If you can click the next one. It means, oh, that. It means to be still and know. If we go back, sorry. Confusing you there. It means to be still and know that God is God. I know. Incredible, hey? That's what it means. That's, some of you are sat there going, I can't believe you just said that, Dom. You're actually getting paid for this. And this is what you come up with. That's what it means to be still and know that God is God. There's nothing hidden and secret about it. There's not, it's not one of those things where you kind of, kind of look in and, and know it. That's what it means. It means to pause, to rest, to stop, and reflect on the truth that God is God. It's so simple in many ways, isn't it? But so amazing. You know, Luke 5, 16 tells us that Jesus, when he walked the earth, he often withdrew to lonely places to pray and to be before God. He took time to be still and know. He paused, he rested, he stopped. It's more than a nice verse. You know, it's one of those things, it's one of these verses you see banded all over the place. But it's more than a nice verse. There's a weightiness to it. And we can get some of this weightiness when we look at the context of that whole psalm. That whole psalm, you you hear, you look at some of those things that are being expressed earlier in the psalm before you get to verse 10. It speaks of war and strife, of nations against one another. It speaks of trouble. It speaks of earthquakes and tsunamis, nations in uproar. It's not just a placid, isn't it all lovely? No, it's in the midst of all this in the midst of whatever troubles and trials and tribulations that you and I might face ourselves, find ourselves in, we get this verse, be still and know that I am God. Into this context of the, of the bubbling and the trouble and the waves and the earthquakes and the, the nations in uproar, God speaks, he commands, be still and know I am God. It's like he's saying, stop Cease your striving. Stop your fretting and your worrying. Wake up and know this. It's like he's coming up uh, to, to kind of up to you and putting your hands on either side of your arms and saying, stop. He's looking in your eyes and saying, stop. You know, how often do we start going, ah, all this going on, and all this going on? And we need someone just to come and say, whoa, stop. This is what this verse is saying. So if your life feels stressed and frantic, and you've got troubles and trials and all sorts of things going on, or even if your life is amazing at the moment, God would take you and say, stop. 
just wait and pause. Breathe again. It reminds me of the words that Jesus spoke when he was in the boat. He was sleeping. They'd gone out in the boat and this huge storm comes up and waves are crashing in and all the disciples are getting pretty scared. And these are disciples that regularly are used to being out on the water. They know these things. And for them to get scared, you think, oh, it must have been pretty bad. Yet Jesus is sleeping away. And they wake him up and say, Jesus, look, what's going on? And what does he do? He stands up and he says, be still, quiet. And instantly the waves and the wind stop and calmness comes. The wind and the sea, they completely die down in silence at the utterance of Jesus. Be still. It's almost like they're in awe and worship of the creator. And that's what God would have us do. In the storms, in the the riots, in in the chaos that we can sometimes feel, God would say, stop. Be still. Be still. And know that I am God. Know that God is God. To really know it. He wants us to grasp this in, in its, you know, as entire as we can possibly get it in our heads. That God is God. He wants us to really grasp this truth. To marinate it in, if you like. Marinate in this truth. It becomes kind of just caught up in, in the way we think about things. To acknowledge who he is to acknowledge our God in different contexts and to be in awe. You know, and this knowledge that he would have us have is is certainly factual knowledge about him. Some of the things that we hear and see about him in scripture, about his past acts, you know, that we've got that in, in Psalm 46. Come and see what the Lord has done. But also his promises. You know, this is the package, if you like. He wants us to be still and know that he is God. Throughout the Bible, God revealed himself in many, many different names. Each one revealing something about his character and about the way he was, the way he is, the way he will behave and do certain things. And as we dwell on those different names, and this is what it means to be still a no, it's things like that dwelling and stopping on some of the names of God. You know, we, all, we can all think of different names of God. Father God, Alpha and Omega, Saviour, Redeemer, Wonderful Counselor, Prince of Peace. All these different names. These are some of the ones he would want us to stop and think about. And in the thinking, well, if that is God's name, if that's how he's chosen to reveal himself, what does that mean about him? And what difference will that then make in my life, in my situations that I find myself tomorrow morning, Wednesday afternoon, whenever it might be? For example, if we take just the name Father, Father God, what does that say? Well, it says that I, you, you and I, we're loved, we're cared for, we're cherished, we belong. So knowing that, when we feel attacked, when we feel 
someone coming against us, we can take courage from knowing that God is for me and loves me. We take the name, I don't know, Almighty. Another name that God is referred to throughout Scripture. Almighty, the all-powerful one. Nothing is beyond him. All rulers, all powers are in place because God allows them to be. What does that then mean? Well, we don't need to fear. We don't need to because God is mightier than anyone or anything and he is with us. So this is, what, this is the sort of thing we're talking about. When, when, when we look at this, this verse in its very short, simple, all it's saying is be still and know that I'm God. It's saying to stop, to pause, to take time, to think about who this God is that we worship. So if that's what it means, why should we be still and know that God is God? Well, first and foremost, it's right. It's right to do. Ascribe greatness to our God, to exalt his name. That is what we're called to do. It is right and fitting. If he is God, we should spend time dwelling on that. He is worthy. Our priority must be to know God is God. You know, I think you, you look at how different parts of scripture have been put together. You look at the Ten Commandments, for example. Probably one of the most uh, famous chunks of scripture found in Exodus 20. And the Ten Commandments, the first four of them, are all about dwelling and knowing that God is God. And the first commandment, no other gods, have no other gods before me, beside me. Secondly, don't have any idols, don't make any other, anything else to be God. And that could be all sorts of things. It doesn't have to be physically a metal statue. It could be money. It could be family. It could be career. It could be all sorts of things that we put up in place of God. Thirdly, don't misuse God's name. Don't blaspheme. And fourthly, keep the Sabbath holy. And what we've got even in that command is a link very much to be still and know that I'm God. Keep the Sabbath holy was a day where the whole of the Jewish nation was commanded to pause, to put down tools, to stop their work, and to keep it holy, to dwell on God being God. Yeah, there are six more commandments in the Ten Commandments, and very much they're about honouring and loving one another. But it starts with the first four, be still and know that God is God. I believe the, the order is really important there. You know, everything else flows from knowing that God is God. We get it reflected in the greatest commandment that Jesus taught. You know, he said, yes, love your neighbour as yourself, but that comes after, love the Lord your God with all your heart, strength, mind and soul. First and foremost, we need to be still and know that God is God. He needs to be rightfully in the place. Then other things flow from it. You know, that song we finished with today, we've sung a few times in the last few weeks, Build My Life. You've got the bit that says, show me who you are and fill me. In other words, I want to know you as being God. With your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. 
one flows into the other. We don't start with seeking to love others. We start by seeking to be still and know that God is God, loving him, and from that flows everything else. Now, if we want to have a mighty impact to those around us, we've got to go back. We've got to be still and know that God is God. It's in our vision, his presence, our community, their hope. The order there is important. We put his presence first because everything else flows from it. You know, we can be a great community and we can be hope to the world because we start and remain closely focused on God. The next preaching series we're going on to after this one is loving your neighbour. But we hear first and foremost dwelling on enjoying and knowing God's presence because we can't love our neighbours well unless we are still and knowing that God is God. So it's right that we know God, that we worship him. That's what we're made for. George Muller, who we mentioned a number of times from the front here, a man who lived in the 1800s and established orphanages in Bristol and did incredible work for God, very, very busy in terms of practical doing and things, said this, that the first and most important duty of his day was to get his heart happy in God through reading the Bible and praying. You know, he could have rushed into all sorts of other things. He was a man who did incredibly good stuff. Yes, loving your neighbour, loving everyone around him. But he knew, first and foremost, his most important duty of each day was to get his heart happy in God, to spend that time with God, to be still and know. So why should we be still and know that God is God? First, it is right. And secondly, because it's good. It's good to do. God commands us to be still and know he is God because he knows it does us good to do so. We can get stuck in a rut, can't we? We can become overwhelmed. We can focus on the storms. We can focus on ourselves. We have a tendency to be self-centred. But being still and taking time to know God is God shifts our thinking. It shifts our perspective. It reminds us that God is God and we are not. What a relief. What a relief. Wouldn't that be awful if we were God? What a messed up world it would be if I was God. Pausing and knowing that God is God helps us to know that we're not. And that's a relief. And by pausing and knowing that God is God, we come to realise that he is bigger than our problems and bigger than us. And that brings such joy. Because our problems can seem pretty big. Some of the things we face in life are enormous. There's no denying it. But God is bigger. God is bigger. Phil Moore, in his Straight to the Heart of Psalms, uh, puts it like this. Psalm 46, verse 10, tells us to be cheerful because the Lord is God and we are not. The 4th century bishop, Hilary of Poitiers, argued that most of our troubles and worrying are the result of our blasphemous anxiety to do God's work for him. The sons of Korah, who are the people who wrote this psalm, agree and tell us everything changes when we are quiet enough to reflect that God is very good at being God, and we are not. 
These experts at singing songs of lament don't pull their punches in reminding us that many of our trials are self-inflicted. God knows that it does us good to stop, be still, and know that he is God. Knowing this gives us courage and gives us security. You know, it says in that psalm, he's our refuge, he's our strength, he's our fortress. And in order to find our security in God, we have to stop trying to find it in in other things and in everything else, which is so often our tendency, isn't it? We try and build our, our, our lives on all sorts of different things. And we can only truly know security when we build it on God. Nothing in this world will offer you the security you have in God. You know, personally, I've found over and over again, being still, stopping to know God is God is essential. It's life-giving. Psalm, uh, Isaiah 40, 30, 30 and 31 say, Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in or wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. You know, recent weeks and events have left me feeling exhausted. These last few weeks I've felt absolutely shattered. I've needed to be still and know that God is God. And as I've done that, I've known this life-giving, this refreshing that can come from no one and nothing else. How important it is for us to be still and know that God is God. So, it means, what does it mean? It means to be still and know that God is God. And why should we do it? Because it's right and it's good. So finally, I want to get some practical with you. I want to just give you some ideas of how can we go about doing this? How can we be still and know God is God? For those of you who've done the Bible course, uh, which many of us have in the last few weeks, you remember, I think it was the last episode, uh, Andrew Ollerton, the presenter on the, pro, the videos, uses this analogy of pebbles and marbles. And I think that's really key in this. It's about how we go about prioritising our life. He, he gave the example of trying to fit marbles and pebbles into a jar. And if you try and put the marbles in first, which are all the little things that we fill our lives up with, and then try and put the pebbles in, the bigger things, the important things, often there's not room. But if we start afresh with the empty jar and put the big pe- things in first, the important things in first, then amazingly the other bits will fit in as well. And I really do think that if we make a point of putting in the important things, of being still and know, I would say that's the most important rock to put. Know that God is God. Other, you'll be amazed at what else put, fits in. So it starts really with our mindset and our attitude. What are we going to do with a verse like that? Oh, that's a nice verse. Or are we going to take it seriously and allow it to shape the decisions we make day in, day out? And I think, you know, first of all, it's recognising the existing opportunities we have. You know, we have opportunities in life already to be still and know that God is God. You're all sat here this morning, which says to me, you want to be still and know that God is God. Why else would you come to church? Okay, probably not the coffee or the fancy lights, because that's not what we're about. We're about wanting to know God's presence. 
So make the use of existing opportunities. What do I mean by that? Well, you're all here today on a Sunday morning. You all regularly come to community groups. These are regular existing opportunities you have in your diary that you build in. Take time just to prepare. Do you ever stop before you come to church on a Sunday morning? Or even when you're travelling here, walking or driving here, and just say, maybe only very quickly, God, will you speak to me today? Help me to meet. I want to know your presence when we gather on Sunday morning. I want to know your presence at community group. Just prepare your heart. It could be a very simple thing. You might decide to take a little bit longer and, and spend some time praying and about praying about some of the people you might meet and, meet and how you might bless them. But it's taking that opportunity to, to make the most of the existing times we have to be still and know already rather than rushing in and just got to get through this that and the other make sure I've talked to that person before I leave and make sure I kind of yeah sing with gusto and I, I do this and the other. no what could you do to make to stop okay I've got this opportunity coming up to be with God's family in his presence and obviously it goes without saying make sure you keep coming to these things Because if you're not, then you're not taking those opportunities that are there. Another way, I think, really practically, particularly on a Sunday morning, and I'm guilty of this too, is actually to stop and think about the words we sing. You know, we make a point of of having worship songs that are full of scripture and full of truth about God. But it's, it's possible to do, I know I've done it myself, you can just sing the words and not really think about what you're singing. If we want to make the most of the, the opportunities we have, is actually think, wow, what is it I'm singing here? And maybe it's, maybe to help you do that, maybe occasionally, I don't want to say this too often because we don't want to upset the worship band, but maybe just stop and not sing, but just look and think and enjoy other people singing around you. And then once you've got it, come back in again. Grab hold of these and make, make the most of these existing opportunities. Secondly, how else can we do it? By establishing or maintaining regular patterns and rhythms in your life that draw you back to God. You know, what are your daily devotionals like? Do you have a daily devotional? Do you have a time where you set aside to be with God? It doesn't have to be long, but it's just that be still and know. It's so good to look at how you can set up a regular routine. There's all sorts of things out there to help in terms of reading your Bibles. There's apps you can get on the phone, there's paper things, you can get emails sent, you can get all sorts of stuff. Make use of something and get into God's Word regularly. Whether it's the beginning of the day or the end of the day or somewhere in between, make it a regular pattern that you're feeding You know, Jesus taught us in his, the prayer that's become the model prayer, the Lord's Prayer. One of the lines is, give us today our daily bread. You know, maybe, just maybe, in terms of our spiritual bread, God sat there going, I've given it to you. It's here. Are you going to come and get it? Having that regular rhythm, drawing aside, just as Jesus did. He drew aside to be with the Father. Reading scripture and praying. 
something I felt prompted to do in recent weeks, and I found it just really helpful, very simple thing. I've started and finished each day by reading Psalm 23. Great psalm. It's only six verses long, but packed full of goodness. So literally, I've just started by reading it at the beginning of the day and at the end of the day. For us as a family, I'm just throwing out different tips, that different things I've tried, we've tried. You know, you might think, oh yeah, that's really helpful, or I'd rather not do that. As a family, we've found it really helpful just to start each day. Before we all go off out the door, we just gather and we talk about what's going on during our day, and we pray into it. Just another way of being still and know. You know, in all the busyness, we all get ourselves ready and we make a point, quarter to eight, we gather in the lounge, sit down together, okay, what's going on, what can we pray for? We pray, and off we go. It's just looking for opportunities that will then become part of your regular rhythm of life. Another thing you could do is, at the end of each day, just stopping and thinking, what am I grateful for today? Maybe there's three things. Maybe more. But if you're struggling, just pick three things. I'm going to be three things that I'm grateful for today. Three blessings that I'm aware of. A friend rang me up today. Had a great coffee at Costa, and uh, God spoke to me about his love. And it could be all sorts of things, but three things. And then to take a moment to thank the giver who gave those gifts. You know, it's just ways of building in regular rhythms of being still and knowing that God is God. Another way we can do it is to set or create reminders. You know, you could use your phone, as most of you do for all sorts of things. You know, you might set reminders. Oh, I've got a meeting coming up in an hour, so-and-so's birthday. Why not, set meet, why not set reminders? Stop and know that God is God. You, know, you could have that built in at various points during the day. Stop! God is God. Why not use technology in that way? You could even set it as a ringtone. You could set a worship song or something as a ringtone could have this, the added bonus side effect that people who hear it might be impacted too. It's just looking for different ways to help jog your memory because the busyness of life, we get absorbed in all sorts of things. You know, visual reminders. You could put things up around where places where you go. It could be above the sink, so when you're washing up, you've got stuff there. Truths about God. Truths about what God says about you. It could be back at the bathroom door. And what are you sat there? When I was teaching, we used to talk about putting times tables on the back of toilet doors so the children could learn them. Well, you know, you could have truths of God on the back of the door. Some of the things that I've got, I'll just to talk you through, if we can have the next slide. So because, obviously, our key verse this year is be still a note, my desktop on my laptop, I've just got a reminder there, so it's there. You know, when I'm doing different things, shut down an application, open something, in between, there it is. It's just a, a reminder for me. Around our house, we've got different things. We have the next one here. So on the left, got uh, these are some verses and a truth that's just stuck on the wardrobe door and in my bedroom. In my bedroom. So first thing in the morning, last thing at night, these are some things. Isaiah forty-one ten. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. Psalm fifty-six three. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. And Lamentations 3, 21 to 24, this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. 
Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will have hope in him. And then a great truth that God is able. It's just a way that I start the day and end the day. It's there. It's visual things. I'm a very visual person. So it helps me. And then in the porch, just before we leave, always remember you are loved. You know, we go out into all sorts of stuff in the world, don't we? To know that we are loved is powerful. And that's the truth of you and me. We are all loved by God. So set and create reminders. And finally, another way that we can build in this idea of being still unknown that God is God is to plan lingering times, longer stops. Because life is busy, sometimes we do need to block in longer times. He doesn't just want us to kind of grab a quick meal on the way through. Sometimes he wants us to pause and have a longer meal with him. Or even a whole weekend. For me, one of the things I find really helpful, and I've been doing a lot of that in the last few weeks, is just going walking. I go walking, and I look at his creation. I look at the beauty. It's simple things. I listen to birds singing. And for me, they point me back to the awesome creator. I have a similar, similar thing, perhaps when it's not so nice weather, is just to sit and watch nature programs. This has been a series these last few weeks. I don't know if any of you have seen it. The Earth from Space brilliant series looking at satellite photos linking it with videos made on the ground as well and in it you just think wow this is god made all this from the tiniest little detail to zooming right out and seeing space and the colors and the patterns you can see from space and wow god is awesome other things i found helpful is just having having evenings where i put worship music on put some candles on don't get to do it very often because families around but there's been times when I've just been on my own and I can do that I've even been known to dance I'm sorry if that's made a horrendous image in your head (laughs) but I've even been known to dance before the Lord I don't care this is a way of just knowing that God is God meditating on scripture you know the daily feeding on scripture is great reading it through but also just to linger on it that bit longer what was this really? What's God trying to tell me through this? Get, get, get a commentary. Get some study guides. You know, Straight to the Heart series we've talked to before by Phil Moore. He's done a whole load of different ones for different books in the Bible. Those sorts of things. Get a paper and pen out. What's God saying to me? What does this word or phrase mean? Really spending time and then praying it back. God, I thank you that your word says this. Help me to really apply this to my life. Help me to get into this. And maybe just maybe every so often it's important just to book time out. Go somewhere. Spend a day walking around a place with God, talking to him. So how do we, how do we uh, take time to be still and know he's God? It's making use of the existing opportunities. It's establishing or maintaining that regular pattern and rhythm. It's setting and, uh, reminders that can break in at different points during the day. And it's also planning in lingering times, longer times to be with him. Why do we do all this? Because it's right and it's good to know that he is God. We're going to watch another video in a minute to allow us to grab the opportunity to be still and know that God is God right here, right now. 
And we're going to hear from a guy who certainly has spent a lot of time doing this when he made this prayer. This doesn't just come from nowhere. We've shown it before, but I make no apology. A guy, an American pastor, S.M. Lockridge, who was asked to talk about what his understanding of God was. And he's going to, he praises, we've got some typography video with it. But I'd love us just to say a prayer together before we do that. And this is a prayer. When, we, when I started the year by setting out this was our verse, uh, I, I came across this prayer by a guy called Benedict uh, from a place called Nursia. Uh, and I just think it sums up what we're trying to look at and understand here. So I'd love us to say it together as a declaration, as a response. Then we'll watch the video and on the back of it we'll have a bit more worship time. So let's say this together. O gracious and holy Father, give us wisdom to perceive you, diligence to seek you, patience to wait for you, eyes to behold you, a heart to meditate upon you, and a life to proclaim you through the power of the Spirit of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Bible says he's a king of the Jews. He's a king of Israel. He's a king of righteousness. He's a king of the ages. He's a king of heaven. He's a king of glory. He's a king of kings. And he is the Lord of lords. Now that's my king. Do you know him? No means of measure can define his limitless love. Well, well, he's in endurless form. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's impurely powerful. And he's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. Well, he's the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's a fundamental doctrine of true theology. Do you know him? He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he beautifies the meek. Do you know him? My king is a key of knowledge. He's a wellspring of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? His life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. Well, I wish I could describe him to you, but he, he's indescribable. He's indescribable. Yeah. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. You can't get him out of your mouth. You can't get him off of your hands. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, 
Pharisees couldn't stand him. But they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. And Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him. And the grave couldn't hold him. That's my king. Yeah! He always has been. And he always will be. I'm talking about he had no predecessor, and he'll have no successor. You can't even teach him, and he's not going to resign. That's right.